So um, now is the time for a discussion or topics that are emerging relevant to practice and to your life. happening, but my understanding is, is that the amount of support that's there is just a tiny fraction yeah. of what's actually needed. So like if somebody is plugged into the VA, you know, they're allowed to have an appointment once every six weeks, and they need an appointment like twice a week, you know? So the ki- it's there, but the kind of amount that it's there is not equal to the to the task. Yeah. So, and so there's, um, yeah. But it is it is it is moving to see the way people care and that to see that there are programs that are that are available and that people are really trying. Like you know, there was something in the mailbox. They were collecting clothes f- to sell for VA programs, and in addition to all of the things that they were asking for, you know, one of the things on the on the paper was. Never again will one generation of vets abandon another generation of vets the way we did at Vietnam. And it's like, wow, you know, wow, yeah, very moving. There was just this. Um, Tapping World Summit. Do you know about tapping? Emotional freedom technique? It's this thing where you you say different phrases and you tap different points. And because the tapping um, puts it through your um, 
meridian system, a way to unlock or unfreeze certain kinds of patterns. Some people get pretty remarkable results in fairly short periods of time. So it's not like an intensive therapeutic process. It's a it's fairly simple in terms of what's needed to do. Obviously, what's really helpful is to have somebody who's really therapeutically trained to hold the space. But there's some very good results that are happening with this kind of stuff. And so it's interesting to me to see that, you know, because that's what people need. They don't need a depth, you know, they don't need 20 years of psychotherapy. They need to get through some of this mess quickly, you know so that they're not so miserable. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, cranial sacral therapy? And I don't think there's enough research on that to explain how trauma occurs to the human body. Because the more, the, the, just a little bit I've read, after a while I get this kind of matter of fact, like, well, of course, that makes sense in the sense of how a person acquires trauma. And so basically the, the basic theme is that your spine and the spine tissue, especially all around the spinal cord, all the way down to your tailbone, um, gets imprinted. And this imprint, for example, the most common we, is you would hear is called muscle memory, right? Usually associated with sports, um, maybe some kind of training of some sort, where you put a focus, a repetitive action, and then those neural pathways get thicker and you have a kind of a physical response to it, right? The bad way is high-impact trauma, car accidents, physical abuse, um, and when that ties into emotional abuse, uh, either self or something you know, unwanted, it creates uh, what they call cysts, and these are little, uh, I guess, neurons that kind of kind of clump together. And it becomes the literal baggage. Because as you grow, and depending what kind of trauma you're experiencing, it could be accidental, it could be unwanted, it starts, those little things start to pile up. And so you're literally carrying your, your baggage around. They then interfere with your day-to-day life because either they constrict your, your nervous system and your own body and the way you go about your daily business, um, they interfere with your emotional uh, and, and also uh, cognitive abilities because certain triggers start interfering with those neurons and then you find yourself really upset or really uh, uh, victimized, you know, types of types of, uh, of things that feel become uncomfortable because as you get a sensation, it runs through those cysts and then, of course, brings up memories, brings up bad sensations, heavy anxiety, heavy unwanted feelings. And so... One of the themes was is that you got to rupture these cysts. You got to kind of almost massage them out. You got to tap them out so that you're causing the cyst to to rupt. What ends up happening is that you then feel the trauma one more time before you kind of vomit it out. You're you're going to experience that same experience as it goes on its way out to liberate yourself. My thing about this is that not enough information is that when we talk about vets uh, and the way we don't understand how PTSD starts to, that imprinting, you know, a soldier goes out, he has a bad experience, obviously high volumes of cortisol gets dumped into the body, which helps with the imprinting. Um, it's very also very poisonous, so the body starts to, 
basically you're getting poisoned by your own emotions. Um, and then, of course, whatever trauma, head injuries, explosions, etc. We don't put enough understanding about how this is happening to the body, how to immediately start preventing it from happening. That's to say, when soldiers come back from a, a patrol or some kind of happening, they should be immediately taken into a kind of... Um, yeah, like a yoga ward. That's the best. That's the, the first thing coming out. Like a yoga ward where you can, they can start working this out. They can start mentally vomiting their experience and not start to let it solidify. Because in the military, um, the biggest fear among its leaders is cowardice or the idea of cowardice. And the idea that if, if they start talking about it, if they start venting in this kind of nurturing manner, you're going to create an army of sissies or you're going to create this army of people who don't want to uh, participate, so to speak. So there's always this fear that, that you don't want to go there. That's why there's always this struggle about mental health while soldiers are active. But to understand why this is happening, and not only just that, but also everyday people, people who are getting abused, people who are experiencing uh, you know, bad things happening to them, and to understand, okay, this is happening to me, but I don't have to let it imprint on me. I don't have to let it make me. I still have a choice. I still get to be who I need to be. But as a culture, and I think just pretty much as a human race, we don't have enough of this discussion or developing routines or treatments or, or exercise or therapies to keep that from happening, to keep the, the stuff imprinting into our spines. You know, Qigong was kind of like a development of understanding, you know, okay, let's let's examine what makes the body the body. How are these empirical knowledge of what we know about meridians? Because we get to really examine the nervous system and how it affects uh, other parts of our organs. But yet, there's, uh, what do you call it, acupuncture, which is an empirical-based knowledge that's just barely now starting to get scientific back. But to take some of this knowledge and say, okay, how do we apply this on a, on kind of like a first aid for, for everyday people, you know, to understand what's happening to your nervous system, what's happening to your emotional system, how do they tie in, how do you keep yourself from developing baggage, and I feel like a subject like that needs more exploration. So there's many different modalities on doing that. EFT is one. Somatic experiencing is another. And somatic experiencing also, like EFT, is not a you know something that requires 20 years of psychotherapy. But there are first aid techniques that can be brought into the field to help people so that they have less trauma as a result of an experience. So, you know, the trauma is not necessarily what you've been through. It's what you do with what you've been through and where it kind of gets stuck into your system. So two people can go through exactly the same thing and one can be completely traumatized by it and the other not. And it's not as if they've experienced, they went through the same thing, but what they did with it, what happened to them and what they did with it, where it landed in them, is different. So there are things that can be learned in terms of trauma first aid. But, um, you know, my it's interesting because the military is really, really brilliant at inducing people into a system where they're willing to give their lives and be blown to smithereens and they feel okay about it. So they've got that side of the equation really well designed and honed. But the other side of it is once they are blown to smithereens, how to bring them back so that they're functioning in the society is not well honed and together and understood. And I think it's the 
it's I think I think John you hit it exactly on the on the head which is that there's a fear that if people are doing first trauma first aid they change the the dynamic from it being we will give everything no matter what the costs are to um, self-preservation at the expense of the of the of the military primary need which is, is that people are going to sacrifice themselves no matter what's happening and I don't know how to resolve that, but I do know that there's a lot of first aid that can be brought into a field to help people um, not be so traumatized by the stuff that they've been through. But that point, that's a brilliant point, and I don't know how to put those pieces together for the military. You know? But, um, wow, there's a lot here, you know, in our world. In Colorado Springs, it's like, you know, there's a lot of military here. So, uh, and I don't know what it's like in Boulder, whether you get a lot of people who are hanging out and looking blasted. You know, whether you've got a whole street culture of people who have got, like, glassy-eyed and nowhere to go and nothing happening. A lot of homeless people in Boulder. Yeah. So, different kind of trauma. Yeah, yeah. A lot of ex-oldness. I mean, it's everywhere, you know, because the military is only interested in their actions, and they're not interested in what happens after the fact. And so there is no support. The fact, I think, is promising is that they have even acknowledged PTSD. They're actually acknowledging it. They're actually starting to do the EFT. They're starting to set up clinics. It's baby steps, but it's counterintuitive. To, to what the military is all about. Mm-hmm. The key is quit the military. <laughs> you know, what, what are we doing there? So that's a whole other topic, but yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. You get what you seek. So um, people go in innocently thinking it's something else, and they come out here very different people. And you might be very open and perceptive to wanting to empathize with these people and help these people, but at the same time, like you said, the Army goes through a lot of trouble to condition them not to feel those things and not to feel okay with feeling things, that it makes it kind of hard, I think, to reach a lot of people. There are a lot of people that don't want to seem weak or be a sissy or feel like because they serve their country now they're somehow a weaker man or woman. Um because of that conditioning mm-hmm. that I mean it's rigorous and it's ingrained I mean and expectations and yeah and the expectations of your family of your country of the culture that surrounds the military um, you know that everyone says you're a hero you're doing this you're doing that you know so you shouldn't look weak you shouldn't succumb to the feelings that come with it and I think that makes it harder in a lot of cases to help some of those people too, a lot of those people. You know, there are the people that do seek help, and they do go to these groups, and they do, you know, seek therapy. Um, and then there are others that will never be reached, like the ones you see walking around, you know, going from bar to bar. They, you know, they don't want to admit that they're weak, but they are. And, you know, you want to empathize with them. You want to help them, you know, connect with themselves. But, it's, I mean, it's a hard place to reach, I feel. Well, one of the things I noticed in comparing historically uh, to certain things in the past, and I noticed there is 
a warrior culture, and then there's a military culture. A military culture is a corporate culture. A warrior culture is a cultured culture. But the point being is that in the past, you had warrior cultures. A warrior culture, you were ingrained with a sense of ethos from birth. And so, as you experienced trauma, you had people around you to help you deal with it and help you understand your identity. And you can age into an old, a warrior culture and you were taken care of. In a military culture, it's a corporate culture. So really, only the people in the corporation at the top benefit. And usually, uh, a good example of a, of a military culture is like Napoleon. Napoleon created what I think was pretty much the beginning of a classic military culture. Because the average foot slogger, the, the, the kid who got who got pressed in service, pretty much got screwed in the end. There was nobody there to help him. Once he got his arm blown off, that was it. And off on the street he goes, and you know he's out there with a tin cup. Hey, can you spare a coin for a vet? No different than pretty much what's happening now. In a warrior culture, Zulu, Samurai, Apache, there were people, there was already a sense of community ready to receive you, to take care of you, and to actually help you keep doing what you're doing, and your cycle of where you were and your age and your culture to help them you to, to whatever, whatever it is what's expected of you of your age, a time, place, and experience, um, took care of that. We don't have a warrior culture. The Marines try, but because they're still integrated as a military, they're not allowed really to fulfill that sense of a warrior culture. And so, with the other aspect, and that is profit that comes from peddling into a military culture, hence the industrial complex and what Eisenhower was warning us against, that if, if you have this, this, this bizarre idea that the free market is somehow integrated with the military, and that it is the symbolism of our identity as free people, and hence the industrial military complex, that, that somebody can make a profit, and that profit, this innovation that comes from profit will help the military has created a bureaucracy and a, and a monster that just is on a positive heat cycle and it just does not shrink. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Now we're at $595 billion a year uh, you know, budget. Does not does not benefit the soldier. Does not benefit the families of the soldier. And becomes makes the soldier just like a consumer product in the corporate culture, just that a disposable product. You, you, you get them in, maybe you give them a GI Bill for their troubles, maybe you know some health care for their family, maybe because they're poor, maybe, I don't know, for whatever reason, a person joins the military, you use them and you dispose them because it's still a corporate culture. And we as people, we as a society, we're, especially as Americans, you know, we're, we say we're proud, we say that we're patriotic, we... we kind of pushing into each other's faces about what that is, but yet we don't demand that that from the government itself. We don't demand and to, to basically take control of our own government and say, okay, we need to change these things. We need to, instead of getting, you know, 50 stealth bombers that are pretty much useless, not say useless, but we're not using them on a day-to-day basis, let's take that budget and make sure that the average soldier is now getting 
what is necessary, that, that sense of community upon what comes from a warrior culture, mm-hmm. you know, that we need to take care of. And I, I feel that, that it, it comes from that sense of ignorance, and it comes from a sense of, of it'll take care of its own. You know, well, okay, it's happening, whatever. It, 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 no, there's no, no personal involvement. There's no, no uh, desire from the average American to, to want to know what's going on. Why do, why do things happen the way they do? Well, I think and not just military, but you know, financially or healthcare or other things. John, I don't know that it's so much a sense that um, people don't want to know. I think that the situation is so huge is, is that it feels that it's like, where do you begin? And so, you know, uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that my sense with meditation can do is, is, is that, you know, when you get a couple people who are coming together with a shared value system, then you can create a tiny little field that begins to shift that where, you know, you've got a few people who decide, well, let's do a this or a that, you know, and make a safe space for, maybe all we have the space for is ten people or five people or three people. But there's a sense of, well, we can do that, and let's do that together, you know. And so there's a, there's a, because, you know, we're dealing with situations that are so big, it's hard to think about how do you actually, how do you make an inroad? But if you cluster together with a couple and think, well, how can we begin to touch it? You know, what can we do to touch just to make a little bit of a safe space for a few? Then we can feel like we're moving forward in a way which is congruent with our values and supportive. But, you know, one of the reasons, John, one of the reasons why I felt so passionate about the vision of wanting to create a, a monastery to train people and to train nuns in particular is because in all of my um, travels and all of my life experience, I never met anybody who had more capacity to span this this spectrum of, of, on one hand, being really clear what the transcendent teachings were, but on another hand, being able to stay present and attend and respond to the immediacy of what was happening for the people around. And, and so... It's not as if I think that all people should be monastics or that all women should be nuns. It's not like that at all. But when you've got a group of people who are committed to, to living with that full spectrum of, of these transcendent teachings and yet keeping it in a relational field, to me that was the, the best possible way that I thought, you know, something would emerge or that's a way that can emerge where there is going to be a kind of a pivotal around what happens in the society. Is when you train people how to do that, then people will go into their own work situations and their own communities and their own... If you model that, then that will begin to start happening little bit by little bit by little bit all over the place. It's very awesome. Back to the let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think it's just, again, little tiny baby steps. But it will, it will, I feel it will seep out. 
Jessica, I don't know if it's optimistic or if it's retarded. All I know <laughs> is, is, is that it is something that makes sense to me, and it's sort of what motivates me, you know? And so, you know, time will tell whether it's optimistic or whether it's retarded. You know, whether it's a kind of a fantasy in the, in the, in the wind. You know, I don't know. But what I do know is, is that there's a value in full-spectrum human development. It can come through, you know, a, a committed practice. And that's one thing that's possible, I can see as possible as a monastic, that's not necessarily so readily accessible in a kind of lifestyle that's scattered from here to the nines. And people are pulled in all kinds of different directions. It doesn't mean that there aren't committed practitioners. Of course there are. You know, and it's not... It's not um, but because there's so much coming at us and pulling at us and pulling us apart, it seems like what's really helpful is to have safe space where we can support each other to do this work. You know? Because, you know, this is not what we get when we drive down the street. This is not in the television. This is not on the billboards. It's not in the newspapers. It's not on the radio. It's not the information and the stuff that we're getting that this is possible, it's important, and it can be done. We're getting... One exception. Which is... Ted. <laughs> Ted is the only BDM menu that is supportive of what you're saying. I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen... You can all go to the internet, or if you have Netflix, type T-E-D, Ted. It's a thing that... It's a, a conference that happens once a year. It's usually themed on a certain subject. It's like 20 hours long and has tons of scientists, politicians, musicians, and basically the concept of a good idea. You have 18 minutes, get on the podium, tell, share us your minute of uh, your idea of what's going to save the world and some of the best stuff of what human beings could come up with comes out of, comes on that. And that's the only time I've seen a media where it promotes that. The, the good idea, the good thing that can save the world. And uh, sometimes uh, Bono, when I don't know if I remember when he did the whole the, um, debt, um, clear the debt for Africa, so, uh, that came from Ted. He was able to convince all those people to go to the politicians to start promoting the idea about uh, liberating debt from, from a lot of African countries, stuff like that. So, so that was the only exception. don't feel capable to pick up a training program by myself so I'm trying to partner with somebody who's good at training vets you know and I don't know yet what it looks like but I'm just thinking about I might start with women vets that might be a little bit easier for me and um, as just an idea of see if there would be a way to have some kind of a program maybe here you know once a week where people can come and do something together and you know, I would come and do a bit of what I do, 
you know, which is maybe meditation or awareness and movement or maybe a little bit of EFT. I don't know that I'm trained to tell people how to do it, but I've got enough meditation experience. Because I think what people need is safe spaces and help and support and encouragement and community. And to know that there are people around who don't think that they're weird and who have some skill level to match the, 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 the needs that they have. So what I'd like to do is to partner with people who have those skills and to see if we could set something up. You know, little, and see what happens with it. You know, I just, because I don't I don't necessarily think about things that are outside of my sphere, but it was just recent, very recent, like last week, somebody was telling me that the women vets, not only do they have the war trauma, but most of them have been sexually assaulted while they've been out in the field. So they have, and they're not allowed to talk about it because it disrupts the, the holding space of... Of the of the the sense of solidity and the solidarity of the military. Well, I mean, as a as a woman, what kind of a nightmare is that? You know. So just to have a space where people can be and can talk and can you know can share and can begin to move towards healing. I mean, I know for me the earth is very healing. And so one of the ideas that I had is to help people heal themselves by cultivating the land here. You know, planting things and digging things and making this place beautiful. You know, sawing wood and just turning this place into an oasis and let the, the, you know, the cultivation of the earth be part of what heals people. You know, so with people who have got huge stuff going on, you don't sit them for more than five minutes in silence. They need to be engaged in activity, movement and awareness. But mostly what they need is friendship, you know. But I'm not quite sure how it works because, you know, right now I'm still dealing with a bunch of chemical sensitivities myself. And most of these people are on drugs and are drinking and are smoking like chimneys. And I don't quite know how this is going to work. But I thought, well, I'll explore and see, you know. I'll see if I can find somebody who's got some skills and some talent and who's got some energy, and we'll see what we can figure out. You know, if people feel comfortable to be here, maybe they're going to smoke like a chimney. They have to smoke out on the street, you know, because I can't, I'm not, I can't do it right now. I can't, I can't get near cigarettes right now, you know, can't get near it. So I don't know. I don't know, but there's a sense of, well, you know, I'm in the middle of this mess right here in Colorado Springs, you know, maybe that's where I can create a small little thread of a little bit of goodness or kindness or something and see what happens. I don't know. It's just something that's just been a recent, a, a kind of a very recent idea. Let's see what happens with that. I mean, this land here is a sacred spot. It's just a little special with the Garden of the Gods that way and Red Rocks that way and Pikes Peak that way. It's right here in like a little vortex. And there are herds of deer that come through here and have this as a sanctuary. And, and I've got peace doves, the doves that hang out here. And I mean, this is just a little sanctuary. And most people come on this little piece of land and they feel it, you know. So I don't, I don't know what it looks like yet. If anyone has good ideas, I'd be interested in hearing. But I think what I need is somebody who's talented in working with vets to partner with me because that's not my skill set. I don't have a clue.
I've never been in the military. And I don't know how what works for these people. You know. But I know somebody who's like that. And she's friends of somebody else who's just around the corner. And so I'm hoping to meet up with her and talk with her about doing something. We'll see what happens, you know. She's brilliant with pets. Brilliant with them. So. Anyway, an idea. But the other idea that I have is to uh, do something for women, just to, not vets, but just women, anybody who's women. You know, this is a time of having some kind of a movement and awareness, a silence, and then sharing together. Because, you know, my sense of coming out of the monastery is, is what women need is different, you know? We don't need people telling us the truth. We need to be able to... Um, hear things and feel what makes sense to us and to share our own experience. And, you know, for myself, my body is like a huge connecting pole that helps me earth and ground everything that I know. And so to have a, an evening, you know, where we do some kind of awareness and movement and then silence and then uh, share together, I think would be great. You know, Colorado Springs doesn't have a lot of stuff like that going on I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there's anything here for just women. So some ideas. But if you want to come back for the full moon, it would be wonderful to have you. The 3rd of July, mark your calendars. I'll be on the West Coast on uh, in the full moon of June. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.